shame exists everywhere. It just exists in different levels, to different degrees, and it manifests itself in different ways. So even here, we're talking even, you know, in New York, people who live in New York, there will be some people who, even though they're living in a very, you know, open, free, multicultural, diverse place, they might still have, deep down, some shame about sex. And welcome to Move Evolution's Heal, Move, and Evolve podcast. Treating the pain, movement, and performance disorder of the athlete, fitness enthusiast, performing artist, and musician. Folks that move for a living and live to move. My name is Richard Simister, physical therapist, strength and conditioning coach, percussionist, and dancer. And my mission is to treat and educate my clients and you towards improved healing, fundamental movement, and life performance. Heal, move, evolve. And welcome to Move Evolution, Heal, Move, and Evolve podcast. And I am delighted to be interviewing Maha Nezrala Babanko, psychosexual and relationship therapist. And we answer the question, what if exercise felt as good as sex? Going to be an interesting podcast, y'all. Check it out. Heal, move, evolve. And welcome to Move Evolution, Heal, Move, and Evolve podcast. And I am delighted to be interviewing Maha Nezrala Babanko, psychosexual and relationship therapist. And we answer the question, what if exercise felt as good as sex? Going to be an interesting podcast, y'all. Check it out. Heal, Move, Evolve. Maha. Maha Nezrala. Am I pronouncing the name yes. correctly? All it's right. a difficult one, I know. It's, no, it's not. My, my wife's name is Hatshepsut. So it That's took me right. I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was on your website and mm. I was looking at what you do for marital counseling, relationship counseling, yeah. premarital coaching, mm. retreats, and sexual wellness. Mm. Now, the, the topic today is what if exercise felt as good as sex mm -hmm. before we start i want to ask you your basic definition of sex my basic definition of sex wow yeah. i don't think anyone's asked me that before <laughs> it's important because i'm going to talk about the definition of fitness and Absolutely. how you and uh, your 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 husband and i have been working on yeah. a sensible definition tell me what I think explain? it's a great question. And I usually ask clients that question. Huh. What, how do you define sex? Yeah. So 
Um, my definition of sex is yes. um, any experience or activity that is erotic or sensual uh, or intimate in a in a sexual way, basically. Okay. Uh, could could involve pleasure, might not, but it's a little different than the I guess traditional definition would which would be intercourse when people say sex equals intercourse Hmm. right penetrative sex so for me i I, i'd like to broaden that definition because i feel like looking at it in a much more encompassing way um, can positively impact people's sexual experiences and attitudes so that would be i guess my definition I might, I might change it in the future, but for now. <laughs> Do you have to tweak your definition for different populations, men, women, uh, gay, straight, different religions, different, different regions? Um, you or know, do you stick with the basic? I don't usually share my definition of sex. Again, it's more about what is your definition of sex? How is this definition helping you or not? Is there a better definition that could work for you? You know what I mean? Yes. So that's usually my approach. It, it's less about what I think. Um, it's more about what does the client think and how is that kind of thinking affecting them? Mm-hmm. And is there a different way of thinking that would be much more um, you know, productive for them or, or helpful for them or healthy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I might suggest here my, here's one way to look at it. Here's one other definition or uh, but I don't necessarily say this is the right definition, you know, because it's, it's different for everyone. Um, and sex might be for some people purely about pleasure and for others it might be, you know, love and connection. And for some it's both and, you know, it depends. So I don't really want to impose my definition, but I want to encourage clients to just challenge their definitions and adopt a definition that works for them Understood. and be open-minded about it, you know. What drew you into, because I've talked to you a few times, you always seem like you love what you do, your passion, yeah. and you're always learning and trying to progress in the field. Yeah. What drew you into sexual healing? If I can use that term right yeah. now, or relationship, Actually, sexual that, healing therapy. Yeah, that's a great way to, to, to describe it, sexual healing, yes. Um, so there's two levels. One is the more like shallow or superficial level, which is that I just find it very fascinating to learn about people in general and how people connect with each other and to be able to make a positive impact on people as well, I think is one of the reasons why I I love what I do and I got into this field. But the deeper layer, which I've, you know, thought about because I've been asked that question, (laughs) um, is more about, I think it was in some way, um, subconsciously my way of pushing boundaries and um, kind of overcoming my own, I guess, shame around sex, if you will. Um, so growing up in a you know, relatively conservative culture, although it wasn't as conservative as other cultures, but still, um, I think part of, me, part of me always wanted to kind of change, change the way people view things because uh, that didn't work uh, for me. And I don't, I don't think there should be so much shame about things like sex, especially if it's, you know, consensual. We're talking about, you know, healthy consensual sex here. 
Um, so I think part of it is deep down that was, that's my way of pushing boundaries and like my own personal kind of revolution or, or trying to make a, a, a difference in society on a, on a bigger scale, not just for the client, if that makes sense, you know, and for myself, I guess, right. It probably helped me um, feel more relaxed about the subject <laughs> itself. You mentioned the word shame. Can you tell people where you're from and the mm. and the difference in as far as perception, stigma, shame, openness, talking about sex for, um, based upon where you're from and also mm. being here in the, mm. in the States? Yeah. So I'm from Lebanon um, originally. I grew up there in Beirut, um, but I also lived in different countries and cities uh, later in my life as an adult. I studied in London, lived there for four years. Um, and then I lived in Dubai for five years and Dubai and London, both are very multicultural. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to New York with Bo, my husband. Um, and then now we're in California. <laughs> so I've, you know, been quite uh, around uh, quite a bit. And um, it's interesting that that question, of shame and how it's different in different cities or countries or cultures um, what I've noticed this is again my own observation um, is that shame exists everywhere it just exists in different levels to different degrees and it manifests itself in different ways so even here we're talking even you know in New York people who live in New York there will be some people who, even though they're living in a very, you know, open, free, multicultural, diverse place, they might still have deep down some shame about sex because they may have grown up in um, a part of New York, let's say, that is a little bit more conservative, or they might have even grown up in a family that may be more religious or conservative or traditional even though within their bigger, bigger culture or society, it's less conservative. So um, there are obviously places that are more free and, and liberal than others, uh, but there's shame everywhere, in my opinion, to different degrees, um, and that shame looks different. So for example, the shame in some parts of the world, like for example, let's say when I was in Dubai, um, shame for some clients, simply revolved around having sex, okay, huh. having intercourse, right? So sex before marriage is wrong and um, sex is dirty, sex is, uh, you know, shameful, all that stuff, especially when it comes to like certain maybe religious attitudes. Um, so having sex, it, uh, you know, just being able to have sex with your new husband, for example, might be something difficult for that client. But another client somewhere else in the world might have shame that is about having sex in a certain way. For example, missionary style might be acceptable, but <laughs> anything around, you know, uh, other than the missionary position that might be a little bit more quote unquote adventurous or wild mm -hmm. is shameful. You know what I mean? Or a woman enjoying sex is shameful, but you know, um, enjoying sex within a certain limit within the confines of marriage might be acceptable. So it's just different degrees and different types of shame that we're talking about here, if that makes sense. It does. Mm. Do you find an imbalance between the genders 
when it comes to your clients as far as as far as shame more men than women more women than men what do you think i'm curious to know what you think you you know you would see i would say more women mm. Just because of the uh, American women, because of the stigma, the, the constraints, yeah. you're supposed to be here or you're, excuse the term, you're a whore, you're a prostitute, yeah. you're loose, you're easy, mm-hmm. you're fast. Uh, you know, the, the, but men, hey, good, yeah. good job. You're yeah. prowess, you're a stud. It's not just in the States. Yeah. These messages yeah. are in other countries as well. Yeah. I mean, it's very common, that thinking. Yeah, it makes sense based on what you're saying that women would probably experience more shame than mm-hmm. men. Um, it's probably the case, but you'd be surprised how many men also experience shame. I think the difference though, is that men don't necessarily show it as much. Yeah. The shame isn't so obvious in them. So it's deeper, it's more hidden. Um, and again, it might look different. So I don't know if women in general have more shame than men or if they're equally uh, ashamed, but that it just is more obvious or, or, you know, uh, out there uh, in women because it's expected versus men um, might be able to like, maybe not even be aware of their shame as much as women. I was going to ask you, are men less apt to express their shame because of we have to maintain our, our masculinity? Or is like you said, we're not as aware of that we're yeah. experiencing shame or or trauma. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough question. Um, could be both. Could be yeah. Could be either or, depending on the situation. Okay. Um, there's definitely a you know masculinity factor when it comes to sex for a lot of men. Uh, so it's almost like the shame is sometimes associated with not uh, fulfilling certain expectations in terms of like men should be sexual, right? Mm-hmm. Men should be interested in sex as much uh, or more, you know, than women or men should always be interested in sex or up for sex or men should always be able to perform, right? These are all the messages that men uh, could receive. And so when that doesn't happen, which is normal, quote unquote, and I use quotations because I hate that word <laughs> for different reasons. But when that doesn't happen, uh, yeah, then there's shame, right? So the shame is just different, right? It's just, I think it's everywhere. Everyone has shame just differently. You said that it's, it's um, almost expected that we're supposed to be able to perform. We're supposed yeah. to have a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a, a hankering for sex all the time. Mm. Your, your husband and I are trying to, again, simplify, quantify, and qualify the definition of fitness. And I, I promise, folks, we're going to talk about sex and exercise in a moment. <laughs> Um, They're like, let's just keep talking about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and more pleasurable. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) We're going to get to that also. So when Bo and I listened to a podcast and talking about the definition of fitness, these two brilliant men said there are three components, and I'll try to simplify it. Mm. It's um, competence and movement, Mm. um, confidence, and then having uh, knowledge. I'm saying this to you because you mentioned that um, we have this expectation as men. Do you have to break it down and do you start with explaining to them and giving them the knowledge, the know-how that this is what's supposed to be, this is natural. Is that how you, is that part of your, your process or your program mm. when it comes to, mm. you know, helping these folks? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so 
sometimes um, it's beneficial to provide education in terms of dispelling the common myths and unrealistic beliefs or expectations about sex, right? Um, but a lot of times the way that's done, at least in my approach, is less direct, like this is how it should be, and more about, okay, tell me where that belief comes from. Like, you know, where, what is that based on? Where did you get that information from? And then kind of challenging whether or not that's accurate. Um, is it realistic? Is it healthy to think about things this way? Are there other uh, explanations or other, you know, alternative ways of, of seeing the, the situation? So a lot of the times it's more like questioning um, and reframing rather than this is how it should be. And sometimes, of course, I provide information based on, um, you know, um, just either my knowledge or research or um, observations. Like, for example, I could say, you know, that it's common for men to experience difficulties with their erections at some point in their life. That's not necessarily an indication of a problem. Um, so that could be something I could say to, um, you know, enlighten the, the client and kind of um, reassure them that that's, you know, they're not alone in that. At the same time, it's, it's not like a, a black or white, like this is how things should be, right? Again, it's about the process of the way they think about things. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. You are. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, when, you're, when you're actually talking or treating um, the man individually or as yeah. a couple, mm. How do I say this? How do you how do you how do you define I guess sexual wellness? Or if you see a couple, how do you what are the check marks? You know your 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 sex life, your relationship is healthy. How would you um, I guess um, measure that? Yeah. Well, before I measure it, I want to ask them why they're here. You know, what is it that that brings them to the sessions with me? What are their goals? What do they want to achieve? Um, so, you know, we first want to explore what brings them to therapy or coaching and why, why does that matter? Like what, you know, why is that an issue for them? Because sometimes they might think something is a problem, uh, but technically quote unquote, it isn't. Um, so it might be the case that it's just causing them distress and the distress might be based on faulty beliefs as well. So this is where, again, the thinking comes into play. Um, so my, before I, you know, measure or assess uh, their sexual wellness or health, you know, I want to ask them what brings them there. But generally speaking, I would say sex or your relationship um, you should feel, I, I don't want to use the, sh the word should, let me rephrase that. I don't like that word. Um, rewind. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that although feeling anxious or uncomfortable or ashamed uh, when it comes to sex is common, um, that can be different. You know, it doesn't have to feel that way. Or for example, for women experiencing pain during sex, a lot of women push through it because they think that they can't do anything about it or that it's normal to feel pain. And it, no, it, you shouldn't feel pain. 
during sex. We're putting aside here any like medical cause that can't be treated, for example, right? Um, but even even then, it shouldn't be something you should just bear. You know, there might be other ways to manage it or other things you can do. Um, so, but bottom line is, you know, if if it's causing you distress, if it's causing you pain, if there's anxiety. Um, if there's shame, um, if there's difficulty functioning, like you can't have the sex that you want to have, um, these are all signs that, you know, it's your sexual wellness is not um, where it should be or where you want it to be, right? Um, and a lot of people probably experience a lot of these things, but don't seek help for different reasons. Um, yeah, but um, so if, yeah, so ideally, you want to feel relaxed, you want to feel connected, you want to feel safe. Safe is a big word I would keep highlighting. Um, you want to feel um, confident and um, you want to be able to, you know, function in the way that you want to function and enjoy it and, you know, experience pleasure as well. Uh, that you, I guess you, <laughs> you answered my next question. Yeah. I, I was going to talk about or ask you, um, why does sex feel good? Exercise feels good because you know, you're moving, you're mm -hmm. accomplishing something, you may be yeah. achieving a goal. Mm -hmm. um, hormones, serotonin, libido, aesthetics. Yeah. You just listed a few things why sex feels good. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my... I was going to work out the other day and I had this, um, I just didn't want to, I wasn't looking forward to the discomfort of the first mm. five or 10 minutes. And there are reasons why my clients don't want to engage in exercise, whether they're newbies or they, yeah. or they've been out of it for a while, whether it's pain, discomfort, uh, shame, lack of ability. Um, mm. they're embarrassed. Uh, they don't like their body. When I try to, um, approach folks, just like you said, when you approach it, you ask them, what, what's their perception of exercise? Why yeah. don't you want to exercise? What's the issue with exercise? Mm -hmm. Do these principles of aversion, such as lack of competence, mm -hmm. lack of confidence, and lack of knowledge and understanding, I'm trying to um, compare sex to exercise. Do those, yeah. do those, do those apply to um, the aversion to sex? Confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Confidence, not being able to function. Mm -hmm. uh, and what was the third one? The Competence why? And, and knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You've pretty much summed it up. I would add a couple of things when it comes to sex, which I, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, if you think they would apply to exercise as well. Um, but for example, yeah, let's think about like, you know, most of the time when people experience sexual difficulties, there's a few things that could come into play. One is, as, we, as we've been talking about, um, faulty beliefs about sex or unhealthy or unrealistic beliefs about sex. That could be because of, you know, their upbringing, society, things they've learned about sex, things they've heard about sex, or even their first experiences, whatever, all of that stuff. So misinformation or, or even a lack of education, you know, mm -hmm. not even like having a proper sex education. So that's definitely part of it. And that could influence the way people think about sex or even uh, approach sex. So if you think, for example, let's say a woman thinks sex is going to be painful. How is she going to approach sex the first couple of times? She's going to be scared, which is understandable. That fear 
what is that going to do? It's going to create tense, you know, tension in your body. Uh, she's not going to be relaxed. Um, she's not going to be as lubricated or aroused pot potentially. Right. Um, and, and that is, what is that going to do? And she's probably not going to be as connected to her partner as well, because she's in her head in that anxiety and that fear. She's not really in the moment. She's not really enjoying it. That could potentially make it more painful because she's more tense and less um, aroused and relaxed. Right. And then that reinforces the cycle. So we're talking here about the beliefs, right? The mental aspect. We're talking about the physical aspect. So the, you know, the sensations or the experience, if, if it's uncomfortable or painful or in, in men's cases, like if they're not able to get an erection or ejaculate in the right, you know, time that they want to, or even if women uh, can't orgasm, you know, all of these things are affecting the functioning piece. Uh, and then we're talking also about the ability to be in the moment, you know, mentally be present and emotionally feel safe, connected and relaxed and trusting. So all of these factors definitely play a role. And of course, a person's view of their own body and their confidence within, the, within themselves, that's part of it as well. As far as confidence, when, mm. when, when someone learns a skill, how to manipulate yeah. the body, how to um, manipulate a racket or kick a ball. Mm -hmm. that the, the golden age is between like six and eight, four kids. As long, mm. And hopefully they have the right environment. Mm. Parents, coach, tell them to play because kids don't play a lot anymore. It's a lot of video, yeah. but that's another story. Yeah. Is there, this is a weird question, is there a golden window or the <laughs> best time for people not to develop better sex skills i don't hey, what time what's what, what do you have what, what's the first what you have sex eight i'm saying is there if you have sex at a later age or is there a better time where during adolescence or 20s or what where we learn to experience our sexuality our sensuality to become comfortable with our, with our own body is there a golden window the perfect time to settle into our own again sexuality yeah 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 um, interesting question that I've never been asked before. <laughs> I, have a I have a lot question. of them. <laughs> um, I definitely want to be cautious in saying there is a perfect age or window because I don't think there is. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but um, what, I, what I can say is that I have had clients who... Did, did not have any sexual experience or very minimal sexual experience. And I want to define sexual experience here, not just as experience with a partner, but also in terms of their own exploration of themselves, right? So I'm, I'm encompassing both. So clients who have not had enough or, or any sexual experience until they were in their like 30s or 40s, I feel, or at least I've found with the clients that I've worked with who have been in those situations, that they've had a more difficult time overcoming their fears or, or working through their confidence um, because it's been a longer time and then there's more pressure on them. They feel more pressure. Um, and, um, it's, you know, it's just like, like an injury, I guess. If you have an injury and it's there for 20 years as opposed to five years, the 20 year one, I guess, is gonna take longer to heal, right? Than the five year one, I'm, I'm assuming. Would you say that yes. that would be correct? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Duh, I think so. So I would say if there's like, you know, fear or discomfort or shame, 
or anxiety around sex, the mm -hmm. longer that's going to be there. And if you don't have sufficient opportunities to overcome that, the more difficult or the longer it's going to take to overcome it, if that makes sense. It does now, make of sense. course, I don't encourage people to have sexual experiences at a young age if they're not ready for it. Um, so that shouldn't be a reason to have any sexual activity or experience um, if, you're, if you're not ready for it. Like if it doesn't feel safe, if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel uh, relaxed, um, you know, if it's not consensual, definitely. So um, yeah, that, that, that's something I could say based on my professional experience with some clients. As a physical therapist and a coach, the longer someone waits to engage in some sort of exercise or learn a skill, the harder it is to, to get to them. It's just the way the, the brain develops. If they don't, yeah. if they haven't developed the basic neurodevelopmental patterns and mm. learned fundamental movements early on, it's harder to teach. Yeah. Do you, is yeah. there, a, I know I asked you about the golden age, but is it talking about senior citizens? Is it mm. harder to uh, have that talk or to help them if they're in their seventies, eighties? If they have some sort of sexual dysfunction or or um, averse perspective of sex, I really think it depends on how long it's been going on for and what is going on, um, and if there's medical issues. So, for example, if there's a male client who's in his seventies who's having difficulties with an erection, mm -hmm. there might be most likely medical factors in that situation like he might have some cardiovascular issues or just aging in general could negatively impact a man's erection right so um you know we need to take those factors into consideration and maybe have different goals expectations in that situation so uh, but at the same time a person in his 70s is probably not going to have the same goals or priorities as a, a, a man in his 30s, for or example. Or drive. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes, yeah. Um, so a man in his 30s might place more importance on I have to have a rock-hard erection, mm -hmm. you know, versus a man in his 70s might not. And <laughs> I just want an know, erection. <laughs> he just wants a sufficient, a sufficient <laughs> erection. So that's another thing. It's like... <laughs> It has to be sufficient enough. It doesn't have to be... I won't be laughing a, about 100%. <laughs> Just an erection, any erection. There's a um, Yurtz-Dodson arousal stress curve, meaning that a little arousal mm. or a little stress is good for performance. Mm, mm. Um, I'm sorry, a little is not good. Too much is not good. You have to find that sweet that spot. sweet spot, yeah, okay. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's talking about someone relaxing, premature ejaculation, do you have, do you, does this apply to um, sexual health? So a sweet arousal spot levels? of arousal? Yeah, or stress. Um, we call it stress in, um, yeah. in this realm. I guess stress is, can be both arousal or anxiety, right? They're kind of the same thing, but not really. I feel like physiologically they might... Uh, we'll say arousal. <laughs> yeah. So arousal is different than stress in my, in my definition. But again, it might have the same physiologic effects on the body. Uh, so arousal, if you're aroused, is different than being anxious. For example, if, you're in, if you're anxious when it comes to sex, um, obviously the more anxiety you have, the more detrimental that's gonna be on your performance or on your experience. Mm -hmm. 
um, if you're aroused, uh, that's an interesting question. I have to like think about it. Like, is there too much arousal? I guess mm. if there's too much arousal, is that going to make you, like, I don't know, engage in things that are not comfortable or um, it might not be as satisfactory because you're so aroused or I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just like thinking out loud at this point. Um, but if you're not like aroused enough, obviously that could be a problem because then you might not be as lubricated or in, in a woman's, um, obviously experience or a man might not be as erect, um, or you might not be as interested. You might not enjoy it as much. You might not experience as much pleasure. Um, you, you know, it might not be as pleasurable of an experience if arousal is important to sex, uh, for, for you, you know? So again, it doesn't have to be about orgasm. If we're talking about orgasm here, then obviously arousal plays a role. Um, but you know, you could have low arousal to begin with and then get more aroused as you go along. So I'm curious. Yeah. I don't know about exercise. I guess if there's low stress in the beginning, how does, how does that work? What is that? What is that? How do you define it in terms of exercise anyway? How does that work? In terms of it's, it's the same thing. They, 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 they enter, um, they change up with arousal and stress. It's basically mm. the same thing. So I have to go perform for, uh, I'll, I'll say as a, as a percussionist, I have a yeah. gig coming up mm. and you know, it's really easy. It's a wedding. I've done it 10, mm. uh, the song 10,000 times. My arousal is not enough. I don't mm. perform well. Mm. Or you know what? I'm going uh, to Carnegie Hall for the first time. I have to do a drum solo or a conga solo. The stress or the arousal is too much. I'm not going to perform mm. well. But mm -hmm. I've practiced. I'm ready. I'm prepped. You know, I have a lot of emotion, uh, family support. My yeah. band is right there. Yeah. Sweet spot. So it's like there should be enough excitement about yes. it, but not too much excitement. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I guess, yeah, mentally you're more um, like present aware uh mm -hmm. or stimulated if there's enough arousal but not too much <laughs> okay not too much is that it is that basically <laughs> did i get it <laughs> yeah you did yeah you did it's simple it's more simple than than they i'm not sure uh, i have the answer about sex it's uh it's interesting i'd like to think more about that <laughs> well because people come to see me most of the time because there's not enough arousal let's say right yeah um I don't think, I mean, I guess too much arousal is when people think they're addicted to sex. That's the different, good, the other extreme, right? It's like a compulsive behavior. Uh, I don't know if that's arousal necessarily, like too much arousal. That's, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's something different, but that could be what people think it's about, um, too much arousal, like hypersexuality or something. Yeah. It is the bombshell question. Mm. Okay. Arousal. Sex feels good. Sex should feel good. Sex should feel good during and if we do it correctly, it mm -hmm. should feel good afterwards emotionally and physically. Same thing with mm. exercise. Mm. It doesn't feel good initially, but during and definitely afterwards, we should receive some sort of um, physical and emotional yeah. benefit. Yeah. What if exercise felt as good as sex? Mm. Or I'm asking you, how could we just... I'm asking you, just write it right out. What if, sex, what if exercise felt as good as sex? Do you think people would engage in exercise more? 
as well as good as good sex. Yeah, it's good as good sex. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The joy sex of sex and the joy of exercise. Yes. Um, well, you could argue the same for sex, I guess. Like some people don't engage in sex as, as often either. Um, and that's part of why they come to see me as well. It's like, it does feel good, but I don't really want it often. So there's more, more to that than I guess just the experience during. I'm asking I because I want to be able, if I can apply how you, um, tackle someone with sexual dysfunction. Yeah. And I have someone who either has an aversion yeah. to, uh, to exercise or some sort of movement dysfunction that can, do I apply the same protocols because right now I'm working yeah. on again okay you don't have good movement competency your your technique is off yeah, so we're yeah, gonna work on yeah. fundamentals okay yeah. you're not confident so I'm gonna give you as much support and we're going to do things in a, a scaffolding way I'm not sure if you yeah. use that term I'll give you measurable goals yeah. oh, you reach that goal let's go to the, let's go to the next one they're mm, easy mm, not mm, too mm, easy mm. but and then a lot of knowledge and education because if you don't know what um delayed onset muscle soreness is or lactic acid buildup in your thighs or yeah or you have uh, past trauma or past injury and you mm -hmm. think, you know, if I go and do that exercise again, I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. So I, I, I work on their competency, their confidence yeah. and their knowledge and education. I want to know, and this is a really vague question. If I can apply what, how, how you treat your clients and yeah. get them to love or appreciate or loosen up around sex again, can yeah. I apply that to, to my clients, whether it's an uh, uh, emotional fix, a mm. physical fix, yeah. Big question. I have a couple of thoughts on that. All right. But before I go into that, uh, I think what you just shared um, is a lot of validity in terms of similarities mm -hmm. of how you would approach certain um, clients with, you know, uh, learning to perform better or even be more interested in, in exercise in terms of a gradual a measurable approach, right? Like, you know, let's work on this this week and then you've achieved that goal. Great. Yay. Let's progress to something a little bit more challenging. Um, and then here's the right way to do it in terms of what's safe and, and healthy and effective. Um, and uh, also looking at potential injuries or trauma. Absolutely. These are all great, valid points and similar in some situations to how I would approach certain sexual difficulties. The, the thing I would maybe change is obviously when it comes to exercise, it's a little bit more mechanical, um, mechanical and less emotional. Maybe for some people it is very emotional because exercise means so much to them. But for a lot of clients, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine exercise is just feels like this like task they need to do to achieve other goals. Right. Mm, yeah. Is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is it, is it a conduit to like, I have That's this injury stick. and I want to like feel better. I want to recover from this injury. So I need to do these exercises or I want to look good. Um, so I need to work out the, these many times, uh, like, like this, you know, this many times a week or I don't know. These are some reasons why people would exercise, obviously. Right. You see psychological benefits, health reasons, mm -hmm. uh, aesthetics, mm -hmm. strength, uh -huh, healing from an injury post-surgery. Yeah. So all yeah. valid reasons to exercise. Yeah. So, so regarding your question, mm -hmm. there's two things I need to, uh, I think we need to separate. First of all, we need to separate between the experience during, and we need to also separate the interest before. To me, 
they're linked, but they're also different. So, so let me just give you like a comparison when it comes to sex. I could get clients see me because during the experience, during sex, they're having difficulties. Let's say they're not aroused enough or they're experiencing pain or they're not getting an erection or whatever reason. Okay. That's during but their desire is there. They're really interested in sex. They want to have sex. They're excited. But during, there's difficulties. And you have other clients that come to see me because their initial interest is lacking or has, has diminished. Um, so they often either don't even get into it because their interest is diminished, or they get into it, and sometimes it's a good experience, sometimes it's not, depending on how aroused they are and, and many other factors, right? And how connected they are and relaxed, etc. So when it comes to exercise, I feel like that's also something we need to differentiate. Like how interested are they to begin with before they engage in exercise? What makes them more interested? And during the, the, the experience, how are they feeling? So they might not be interested at all in exercising and the first five, 10 minutes feel like crap, but then they get into it and enjoy it. They might not get into it and still do it because it's mechanical and they might be really interested from the beginning and have a great experience. So, uh, you know, I think we need to like kind of dissect it a little bit more because I don't think there's one way to approach it or shift clients experience because it depends on where they're stuck. I think, you know what, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, I want to sort of, sort of summarize that. I'm, I'm going to be you for a moment. Okay. okay? <laughs> Do it. Let's see. <laughs> Someone comes to me or a couple comes to me with yeah. some sort of sexual dysfunction or their, their, their sex life is unhealthy. Their wellness is not there. It's not where it yeah. should be. Yeah. The first thing I'm going to do as their as their facilitators mm. ask them questions. Mm -hmm. What's their interest? What's their perception? And how do they feel before, during, and after? Is that how you'd first tackle, I guess, the, the treatment process, the first few steps? Yeah. I mean, basically, what brings you here? Um, what is, you know, wh where are the difficulties? What are your difficulties? Um, what, how long has this been going on for? what do you want it to look like instead? You know, what do you want to achieve? Um, and yeah, I would go into details in terms of, um, you know, what, what comes up during or how do you usually approach it? How does it usually happen? Um, so, you know, I, I, I try to figure out or understand what, what the process is like for them. Yeah. So we both take a pretty much thorough history and let them speak for a while. Yeah, which I find sure. is a problem with a lot of doctors and therapists. They, mm. they let the client speak for a little bit. They interrupt and tell them what they should do. Mm, mm, mm. But after the history, oh, I want to ask you also, do you ask them about like the, their, their four pillars of health, their nutrition, their rest and recovery, their activity level? Or is it mainly, do you keep, do you stick to the, uh, the main thing about their I sexual health? I take a health? general uh, history in terms of like, do they have any medical issues, any medical conditions, any other psychiatric um, conditions? Mm -hmm. um, are they on any medications? Uh, just to know, because if they are on any medications or have any health issues, they, that might impact their um, sexual sexuality as well. Health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just take it like a, just a very general brief history. And if there's anything that needs to be addressed medically, then I would refer them out because that's not really my field, obviously. Like, for example, they might need to get their testosterone or their hormonal levels checked mm -hmm. and I'll refer them to someone. Okay. Yeah. Refer out. 
-hmm. now after the history, I yeah. usually do some sort of um, <laughs> performance measurement. I have to have them do some sort of fundamental movements, functional movements. Yeah. I'm going to check the strength. But <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> okay. okay, have sex now. I want to see your performance. So do you just rely on feedback, subjective yeah. uh, reports and all that? Exactly. Yeah. How, and yeah. Without being too explicit, how explicit do you want them to be during the, during the, for, their, for their feedback? I mean, I get into details, but they are as explicit as they're comfortable with. You know, they might not be ready or comfortable to share certain details initially. Um, and then they start feeling more comfortable. But in my experience, they, they're usually pretty comfortable from the beginning. Um, and if they're not comfortable, it's not going to work. You know, if they don't get comfortable at some point, it's not going to it's not going to work because I need I need to understand what is going on. Um, not for the sake of curiosity or anything like that, but for the sake of really trying to understand where the issue is so that we can tackle it. So if, um, like, for example, um, like I don't necessarily need to go into details about like, like what kind of position they're doing in that moment, you know, that's not necessarily relevant. It's more about, um, you know, we need to talk about their genitals. We need to talk about their, um, sensations. We need to talk about their um, arousal levels. We need to talk about their thoughts. Um, we need to talk about um, the, you know, the, um, for example, the orgasm or the ejaculation or, you know, like details about like the erection or mm -hmm. certain things like that. So if they're not comfortable sharing these details at some point, it could, you know, impede the process. Yeah, the worst things a client can do is uh, tell me they worked out or didn't work out or they have some, they're, they're suffering from pain and not telling me or, yeah, you know, yeah. so honesty is the best policy. And I, I, I read something on your website. I'm sorry to go off track, but I've been wanting to ask you. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me see. The power of water cutting through a stone. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that was, is that on my Instagram that you saw it? Yeah. Maybe, 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 yeah. maybe. The persistence, um, persistence. Yes, about persistence mm -hmm. of um, water being able to uh, cut through a stone. It's not the power of the water; it's persistence. Yeah. Yep. Is, is this something that you uh, impart with your clients? Like it's you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It, it's yeah, it's basically sure. going to take time. It's a process. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. It's very important for me to clarify to clients that it's not a quick fix. It's not a matter of just giving them a bunch of exercises uh, and then, you know, reporting back and then they're quote unquote fixed or cured. It is a process for sure. Because I, the way I work also is I'm not just a behavioral or practical therapist. I'm also, I very much am interested in the bigger picture, not because I'm interested in it, but because I really do believe everything is connected. Um, and it's really important to me at least to look at the whole system the way the, the partner, for example, responds to certain situations is affecting the client as well. And that's something that we might need to look at. Um, we might need to look at how the person feels overall, not just during sex or regarding sex, but in terms of how they are in life. How do they approach other things in life? Because a lot of the times there are parallels in the way a person approaches sex or, or functions sexually mm -hmm. and the way a person is in other areas in their life. Um, so for example, we might look at assertiveness, you know, how assertive are they in life, in other situations? And then that is going to be relevant because if, it, if in sex, they're not comfortable speaking up, they're not comfortable saying no, 
they're not comfortable saying what they want or don't want or how they feel, that's going to be a problem, you know? Um, so they might need to practice that not just during sex, but also in other areas in life, like in the relationship, setting boundaries, speaking up, communicating, receiving feedback as well. Um, you know, being able to uh, be more empathetic with each other as well. So there's a lot more than just that, you know, here's the exercises and boom, you're fixed. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't take long, but yeah. the majority of the time it's, yeah, it's a longer process for sure. Yeah. So it does require commitment and, and dedication. If someone, when you meet someone for the first time and uh, as a therapist and you, you detect that they're sort of shy or withdrawn, is there, is there usually yeah. a, 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 um, I guess a, um, a feed into or a similarity with their, 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 uh, in their sex life? So meaning, okay, you, someone comes into your office mm. and they're sort of demure and they, they're very, very quiet and sort of mm. withdrawn. Do you, is there, does that feed into their sexual dysfunction? Do you see, do you find a similarity between their, um, mm. their personality when you first meet them and, and their issue? I would say there are certain personality traits that I found maybe a pattern, but not the way you're describing it necessarily. So it's not necessarily the case. And this is all, again, my own observation. This is not based on any like research or anything like that. So I want to put that out there. Um, it's not necessarily the case that I've observed, at least, that if someone is reserved or shy as a person, mm -hmm. that they're reserved sexually. If anything, I've also seen people who are very confident personally but mm -hmm. sexually shameful reserved etc all that stuff right uh -huh. um but there are other things that i've noticed like for example um if uh, you know if let's say a client when it comes to sex is very anxious um they might be in life uh not just anxious but also like they like to 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 like they might have high standards on themselves. They might, um, I don't want to use the word be perfectionist, but like they, you know, they, they like to feel like they're in control. Um, so there are certain trends, patterns, uh, but not, not so obvious. Like you're saying, like if they're shy as a person, then they're shy sexually. It's not necessarily the case. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to add to the conversation? Anything you would like to tell our viewers or anything that I may have missed as far as good sex, bad sex, why sex may feel bad, some yeah. issues that may feed into poor sexual uh, health or healing? Well, I'm trying to relate it to exercise, right? Cause yeah, me yeah. too, but I said... There's a, there's a lot I can say about sex. <laughs> I can sit here for another three hours. <laughs> I'm throwing the general <laughs> questions at you. The topic's supposed to be exercise and sex. We talk, that's all right. Like you said, the, the listeners are probably saying, ah, talk more about sex. Let's talk more about sex. That's all right. Well, I, I think actually there is something that I could relate to exercise, um, which is I feel like um, being in the moment is really important in terms of not focusing on the end goal or uh, worrying about the past or you know, worrying about what other people are thinking. It's really, so for example, when you're running a marathon, again, I've never run a marathon. I've done some running in my life, but from my experience running, when I'm running, if I'm thinking about, oh my God, how much longer is this going to take? Oh my God, I have five more miles. 
oh my god if i'm thinking about the future and how much more i have mm. i'm really not enjoying it however if i'm really in the moment literally taking it one step at a time it just flows and then before i know it i'm there so i feel like the same thing applies when it comes to sex if you're thinking about oh when am i going to orgasm am i going to orgasm is he going to orgasm is he enjoying it um you know what is what's going to happen uh, is he is he thinking about what i look like you know all of these things that are not in the moment um that's going to potentially negatively impact your experience because you're anxious you're not relaxed you're not connected you're not uh you know feeling um uh what's the word like you're not you're not focused on the sensual uh, uh aspects the sensations you're really just in your head thinking about the future or all the what ifs you're disconnected exactly you're disconnected yeah so if you really try to bring yourself back to the moment emotionally mentally physically um and listen to that um obviously considering that it's not painful and it's consensual and it's something that you want and you're enjoying i i feel like that's just a very simple you know i guess tip that people could try to implement to enjoy it better do you ever um have people meditate before sex because that's a that's a big component mm. uh right before breathing it's again meant getting mentally in the game getting prepped for the yeah. workout or the activity do you have people do any sort of um breath work or meditation before intercourse or not necessarily before but it's a practice that i encourage people to do on a regular basis just mm -hmm. to practice that just to you know for your mind to learn how to do that so that in the moment they can then implement that skill right um so it's more of a like a general practice that i encourage people to do yeah whether it's mindfulness breathing meditation muscular relaxation visualization you know things like that yeah great Maha, Dr. Maha, <laughs> please tell people how they can reach you. And I'm going to ask you to repeat it just in case there's a blip in the internet. Sure. Um, so my website is sexualhealingdoc.com, which Richard has been stalking apparently. <laughs> <laughs> researching, researching. <sighs> Man. I'm messing around with you. I love that you, <laughs> you were researching. <laughs> I have to be prepared. Two weeks ago was a mess. Everyone, just let you know, I'm being honest. We tried this two weeks ago, and Richard, me, did not know how to work my new mic. Maha sounded fantastic, and I was, and I was not actually prepared for the interview. I thought I was, and so I've had two weeks to prepare. That's why I sound so brilliant. You are brilliant today, Richard. I love it. <laughs> Please tell them your, you tell them your website again. <laughs> website is sexualhealingdoc.com. And same thing, the Instagram account is at sexualhealingdoc. So I guess these are the two main avenues people can find me right now. Maha, sincerely from the heart, you've been a joy. You've been a joy. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> I hope you. my <laughs> listeners like it. And um, tell your husband... Um, we have a podcast coming up. We have to talk I about defining I'm excited fitness. about that. Ooh. And thank you for having me. It was fun talking about it in terms of uh, all the new questions you brought up, too. I have a lot to think about now. <laughs> I wasn't trying to throw you off track. I just thought deeper. And yeah, but, but thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bless. Bye. <laughs> Let's talk about sex. 
Thank you for listening to Move Evolution's Heal, Move, and Evolve podcast. Did you like this episode? Then please help us grow, rate, and review us. And if you'd like more great life fitness content, please hit the subscribe button. And find out more about Move Evolution on our moveevolution.com website to see how we can help you heal, move, and evolve.